0: Welcome to another episode of the Looking After Nature podcast where we hope to bring you close to nature and wildlife in Hampshire. My name is Andy Davison. I'm here once again with my co-host Carly Harrod. Hi Carly.
1: Hi Andy. We're down at Leap Country Park today but we're not here for the beach or the wonderful views.
0: No, we're here today to visit the Wildlife and Sensory Garden and talk to Janet who's a ranger down here at Leap who will be telling us about the garden and wildlife we can find here.
1: And there certainly is a lot of wildlife around. We're sat at the end of the garden by the pollinator patch and I can see butterflies, bees and I can hear so many birds and I know that we get some more of our secret wildlife here too.
0: Yes I'm really keen to start looking at this place so let's get on with it. Hi Janet. Hi Andy. So we're here to talk about wildlife gardening and the sensory garden so we we'll have a wander around but there's plenty to see in this garden isn't there?
2: Yeah, there's loads.
0: So you've also said that was a sensory garden. So what is a sensory garden?
2: So a sensory garden is just a place where you can experience using your all your senses. So for example, you'll have things that you can touch, things that are spiky, things that may be soft, but then also herbs that you can smell, taste, and then also just to sit here and listen. You can hear the birdsong, you can hear bugs buzzing around. So it uses all five senses.
0: So how is it used by your visitors?
2: So it's used by all of our visitors really. Um, We get a lot of families coming to use it because um, it's quite good for children. It's quite good for them just to touch and be in a safe space. Um, But also it's very nice for, um, for adults just to walk around and enjoy the scenery.
0: And there's a lot of health and well-being benefits visiting some like this, isn't there?
2: Of course, yeah. I mean, just being out in nature is just great for health and uh, well-being. Um, just being out and being quiet and, as I say, listening to the bird song, listening to what's around you, just being in the moment um, is really, really good for your for your health and uh, your mental health.
0: And that's good for anybody, but there are other particular groups who come here because of the setup you've got here?
2: Yeah so we do have um, a men's group from Solent Mind that come and uh, they work on the veg patch. We also currently have Oak Lodge School who are um, a special needs school just up the road and they're using a corner of the sensory garden to develop their horticultural skills.
0: Okay so what can we see right in front of us now? see. We talked about herbs I think I saw some rosemary just over there Um, because that's used for for cooking as well isn't it
2: yeah so here we've got rosemary we've got um oregano we've got thyme here but it's also good for um any bugs or any bees that are visiting because the um they're really really good pollinating plants actually as well
0: yeah we can see a few bits it's a bit cooler today so it's not absolutely buzzing with insects but there's a few here
2: unfortunately not no mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but your rosemary it has flowers a bit like um your sage flowers and stuff like that with deep deep flowers we've talked before about deep flowers that the long tongue things go into, Yeah. Um, but also, also I can see quite a lot of flies on this plant here.
2: Yeah so we've got some yarrow here and I think that's actually been our most popular plant over the last uh, month or so. I've seen things like soldier beetles, uh, longhorn beetles, all types of bees, um, it's been really really great for all of them.
0: And that's a plant that's got what we well, might think of a shallow flower, so the, all the pollen and nectar is quite close to the top of the flowers. it's a big open top flower so that's why flies in particular like it because bees and some of the moths have got really long tongues but they've got quite short ones so they they can use that one very effectively
2: it's almost like a landing pad
0: absolutely and that's exactly what it is Mm because the plants want them to come in and pick up some of the pollen and move it to the next plant and pollinate that so it is absolutely a landing pad so we've got what's the spiky thing over there
2: so that's sea holly Um, That's another one that's um, really come into its own in the last three weeks or so. Um, I've seen all kinds of bumblebees on there. We've even had uh, green-eyed flower bees on there, which has been really great to see. Um, So it's really, really popular, but it's also quite spiky. So again, we're going back to that sensory element where um, plants can be all kinds of different things. They can be soft, they can be spiky, and that's definitely a spiky one.
0: (laughs) And the green-eyed flower bee, that's that's a solitary bee, not like the social bumblebees, isn't it?
2: i think so i'm not too sure um all i know is that it's got wonderful green eyes and it makes a very very high pitched um buzz so and um, they're very distinctive yeah i
0: mean you've got what you've got a leap you've got we're a little bit back from the coast here mm-hmm. but you've got what we call soft rock cliffs which mm-hmm. are like sand and gravels in the cliffs so those solitary bees so in particular like nesting in holes in the ground yeah so you've got this lovely sunny south-facing soft rock cliff for nesting and mm-hmm. they can fly across the here and uh, pick up the pollen and nectar um and that you say that high-pitched sound they buzzing because they hover quite yes. effectively don't they yeah some people call them motorbike bees they sound like you know you know there's little 250 motorbikes you get yeah. when you first start riding another ever rode a motorbike but when you first start riding a motorbike that high pitch yeah about that sort of noise don't yeah
2: they? exactly that yeah
0: <laughs> so what's the what's that tall yellow plant there.
2: So that's Helianthus, it's um, a bit like, um, it's a member of the sunflower family, so again that's got a really good flower that's um, a bit like a landing pad, so again for those short tongued bees.
0: So it's a bit like a big yellow daisy on the we're sitting here yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can see some plants which aren't flowering now actually, there's this uh, plant here with the, the blotchy leaves, Yeah
2: yeah so that's lungwort and um, that's really really good for uh, flowering in i'd say probably march april time so really good for an early flower and um, so it was very popular at the start of the year as was um this bugle carpet weed over here that flowered at the same time um and they both have um quite closed cup um type flowers yeah so again it's for your long um your long-tongued bees
0: and then i think that's a, a sedum is it there we-
2: yes yeah so that's a sedum. Not sure which kind, but yeah, definitely a sedum.
0: <laughs> so that's not actually flowering yet?
2: No, that will be flowering, I think, um, end of August, come September, I'd say.
0: And that's the thing with gardens is that because people want to see flowers throughout the year, it means what you've got in there is a pollen source throughout the year. So as you say, the lungwort um, flowers really early in the year. Yep. So when the bumblebees first come out, there's a nectar source and pollen source for them. And then as they go through the year you've got some plants that have gone over, you've got some plants in full flower like the yarrow and then as you say the sedum will come in later. So so, so some species need a huge range of things throughout the year. So if you just have one flower in the middle of the year and nothing else then things like bumblebees wouldn't thrive here because they Mm. need that continuous yeah throughout the year don't
2: yeah. they? yeah and it's also just and the different kinds of bees and the different types of beetles that can also pollinate um you're you're offering something for everyone the butterflies that visit even as well so it's it's really really beneficial to have something that's always um, here all year round it's the same with the ragged robin here and um, it started flowering quite early on but as you can see it's still flowering now so it's been quite a good uh, pollen source
0: and it's quite often because i mean this is a pollinator plant this There's quite a lot of plants that are close to the wild forms of them, aren't they? They're not really heavily uh, adapted, like some plants can be in the garden, Um, which means they're pretty good as well. I mean, some of the highly cultivated roses, some of the traditional roses people think about, they're so so many petals Mm. and they're so tight, the flower, they can't actually get in there to get the pollen can they?
2: Yeah I've read that that it's actually quite hard so it's better to have uh, an array as well because it's all it's nice having flowers and having roses and why not have that special rose that you like but then also maybe plant something else next to it that can um, be pollinated.
0: Absolutely I can actually see a butterfly on there it's nice, there's a bit of wildness in it. You've got brambles in here as well, which clearly you haven't planted. And they're great plants. As long as they don't take over, I mean, things like your nettles, your brambles, a bit of those in your garden is fine, Mm -hmm. isn't it? But if they start taking over, they they become a bit of a problem. Because nettles in particular are great for a lot of butterflies and moths. Uh, Things like peacock butterflies and um, small um, tortoiseshell butterflies. Mm -hmm. They lay their eggs on there, don't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And brambles are very good because they're... They've got a lovely flower that a lot of butterflies use it's just starting to go towards the fruit now isn't it
2: yes it is we've got some at the front that are a little bit more in the sun um, which are definitely um they're kind of half fruiting even i think i've even seen people pick them so yep. um yeah they're ready
0: so they're a really good flower it's like a ve- the flower is like a very simple rose flower isn't it yes um, and they're a really good flower for pollinating insects bees and butterflies and moths um, but the fruit is very important for a lot of wild birds Mm-hmm. Um, things like blackcaps and um, garden warblers and blackbirds. You get them eating a huge amount of that fruit when they come into, in you know, a bit later in the season. And for some that's really quite key because they're, they're using that energy to go and migrate, particularly things like blackbirds. Yeah. I can see a wasp and people don't like wasps normally.
2: Oh yeah.
0: It's a little tiny black and yellow thing. Oh, yeah. But that's a solitary wasp.
2: It's got really yellow legs.
0: Yeah, so it's a bit smaller than what you th- most people think of wasps, they think of the social wasps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, jaspers or, yeah, those sort of things, which come and eat your jam and really annoy you <laughs> when you have a <on> barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but these ones, that's a solitary wasp, and I think that's one of the group that burrows into wood and uses beetle oh. burrows. And it'll, these group, these tend to eat a lot of garden pests. Okay. So it might be caterpillars. So it's for the garden? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a little tiny, uh there's a group of little tiny black ones which go in things like you know tiny little holes like mm-hmm. woodworm holes mm-hmm. and they eat a huge amount of aphids ah, so right. you green flies oh that is good um so these ones depending on the species is it could be flies or it could be bugs as in shield bugs yeah. larvae oh, okay so the wasps get a bad time sometimes yeah they, they do they
2: do yeah. they definitely do
0: <laughs> but even your social wasps, they eat a, lot, a huge amount of garden pests mm-hmm. um so they're very good in your garden as long as you've you're comfortable with them in there um, because we saw some dead wood out, but we'll be looking at the stumpery in a minute I think but hopefully yeah, we'll yeah. see some beetle burrows and things like that. Yep. Yeah. So this looks a bit more veg patch in some ways doesn't it? What have you got in here?
2: Yeah so over here we have um, quite a few tomato plants and um, that are currently coming up. We've got a few um, courgette plants, we're currently trying to have um, a pumpkin competition but unfortunately the deer do keep coming through and nibbling at them <laughs> so um, we're not sure who's gonna win that one and we have got uh, French beans but then we've got a lot of nasturtiums around as well because they act as a sort of sacrificial plant
0: so what do you mean by sacrificial plant?
2: So um, nasturtiums are really good to plant next to something that, you, um, that you're planting that you're obviously wanting to eat. So say French beans, tomatoes, that kind of thing. Because then the nasturtiums, what they act as, is a kind of um, food source for the caterpillars. Yeah. Um, so rather than the caterpillars coming along and eating all your yummy beans, they'll actually eat the nasturtium leaves and, um, and, and live on those as caterpillars because as you can see now, there are a lot of caterpillars on that leaf here.
0: Yeah, there's about, you said about 20 little caterpillars there. And they're, yeah. it looks like they've made lace of that nasturtium leaf, haven't yeah.
2: they? So I'd rather ma- than make a lace of that rather than say tomatoes or your beans.
0: <laughs> but I mean, that's probably, it's a bit difficult to sell at, say at that size. It looks a bit like a cabbage white, so they're more likely to go yep. on your, your cabbage plants and stuff like that. Yeah,
2: that's true, that's yeah. true.
0: There's some lovely beans up there, isn't there? Mm. Do you actually eat these? Do the group, does the yeah. friends group or anything eat those?
2: Um, so I think it'll probably go along to staff yeah. <laughs> first, um, or maybe the groups that actually do use um, the garden to plant at the moment. Um, it depends who gets there first, I think.
0: <laughs> and you've actually got a tomato plant here? Yeah. Oh yeah, there's a couple here, aren't there?
2: Yeah, we have got different kinds. I'm not too sure what exactly they are, but you can see here they're, they're a slightly different shape and a bit more... Um, longer shapes than your traditional rounder ones that like here. And we've also got, are these Cosmo? Cosmos. Cosmos, sorry, so Cosmos. And again, they act um, not so much as a sacrificial plant, but they're really, really good pollinators. So the bees will pollinate these as well as pollinating the tomato plants that are nearby.
0: Because in a previous episode, we talked about um, different types of pollination. Mm -hmm. um, Because we've talked about tomato plants and there, you can see it's like a cone shape there. Oh yeah. Um, and they need something called buzz pollination, mm-hmm. which means that the the insect will come along. And quite often it's a bumblebee. Bumblebees are fantastic at this. Oh, okay. They'll grab hold of that cone and they'll buzz their wing muscles. <laughs> wow. And that releases the cloud of pollen.
2: Oh wow. So the
0: pollen won't be released unless it's buzz pollinated.
2: Oh, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, So, but honeybees don't do buzz pollination.
2: Okay. So if yeah, you want okay.
0: pollination of your tomato plants you need bumblebees and things that buzz pollinate okay and that's quite successful because you've got quite a lot of tomatoes here yeah
2: at the moment yeah
0: so it's possible to grow i mean i know you're on the coast here it's quite mild yeah but it's possible to grow tomato plants outside you don't always need a oh definitely
2: yeah definitely i've even got some at home actually that are just sitting in it's quite a shallow pot and i didn't think they'd work but there's at least about three tomatoes growing on there so you can start somewhere well that's (laughs) there's nothing like the taste of homegrown tomatoes (laughs) is there
0: because they're not like, I mean, if you buy them, they're picked at a certain point so they'll be hopefully ripe by the time you get to eat them. Yeah. But yeah. you can pick them when they're absolutely ripe. They're warm off the vine and they're absolutely gorgeous, aren't they?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Lovely.
0: So we got some, now that looks like sage to me.
2: Yeah. So we have sage, um, we have lemon balm here, um, which smells absolutely delicious. Uh, we have chives here which are actually really good for the bees because yep. of the flowers on top. Uh, we have marjoram over here and thyme. So um oh there's a bee there actually.
0: Yeah it's a bumblebee, it's one of the ginger ones and that's the common carder bee. Um, mm. so it's got quite a lot of back of the back, it's quite gingery overall. There's yeah. a, another one in the country now called um, tree bumblebee. Oh yeah which has got ginger on the the middle bit and then a white tail and ah, that's yep. unique in uh, in bumblebees in Britain but there's a couple of species which are quite similar to this one okay but the tree bumblebee nest in holes but quite often they cl- sometimes take over a bird box
2: oh really but they're
0: quite often in trees hence tree bumblebee yeah oh, there's wow. the common carder bee they're called carders because they live i don't know if you know there's any nest around here but they live in the sort of slightly longer grass Okay. and the nest is on the surface mm-hmm. and they drag bits of dry grass and things like that over the top of their nest. Oh, right. I'd like so to carding is like, you know, it's, it's a term used in preparing wool to um, scrape the fiber straight. So that's ah, what they do, they okay. scrape the fibers over the, of the grass over the yeah. top of the nest. Okay. So um, sometimes you've got a bit of long grass, um, don't mow it, Mm -hmm. if you can help it until the you know the bees net you probably find you mow it and you've mown through a bumblebee nest they won't be that happy
2: Uh, and when would that be
0: um i mean if you can leave it right to the end of the year because what happens with bumblebees is that um a nest last year will produce males and new queens Mm -hmm. and then that nest entirely dies away and then they do a mating flight and then the ones that overwinter are the newly mated queens so they go and hibernate somewhere. So all the rest of the bumblebees die off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Normally, I mean, you it, it sometimes get if it's a really mild winter, you might get some hangovers the next year. But normally, it's only the new queens which hibernate. They'll come out, found a nest, lay the first few eggs, and get those to be workers. Mm-hmm. And then those workers take over all the work. And she mainly she come out occasionally, but she mainly stays in the nest because you know she's the important one um, laying the eggs.
2: Okay, yeah.
0: So all those workers will be female. Right. And they do produce males a bit later in the year for the mating flights, mm-hmm. but their sole job is to mate with the new queens and that's it. So they're pretty useless otherwise. They don't <laughs> do any work.
2: <laughs> because we have got um, tawny mining bees at home. And I've often wondered, because I do want to pull some plants up from around there just because I want to um, replant some. And I just don't want to disturb them. So, um, yeah, so it's good to know when
0: I can actually do that. Yeah, it's different because the mining bees, as you might expect, make little tunnels in the soil. Yeah. And quite often, I mean, they can be up to half a meter deep. Oh, really? So if you do a bit of work on the surface. Okay. They're probably fine. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
2: okay, that's good to know.
0: Um, yeah. And the other thing, actually, because we're talking about male and female bees and wasps, mm-hmm. only the females can sting. Uh, okay. Because it's the egg laying tube that's been modified as a sting. mm mm-hmm. So. You pick up, as long as you can recognize a male, you can pick up a male, no trouble, cause it won't sting you.
2: Okay. I don't think I'm there yet, so I don't think I'll try. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there's some lovely plants here. I think it's a lot of these herbs. What's the what's the whitish one there?
2: That's a curry plant. Oh, right. So I'm not actually too sure what you'd use it for, but if you just give it a sniff.
0: It smells of curry, uh, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. But again, it's got lovely little compact yellow flowers that are open. Yep. Yeah.
2: Um, I I do find that herbs are great um, for planting for pollinators. Uh, I find a lot of the bees um, do enjoy a good herb. (laughs) Oh they do, the (laughs) herbs are
0: fantastic for pollinators. I mean this lemon balm, you know, it's got these little sort of tube, short tube flowers, but they've got like a tube which the bumblebees like quite like, but that's quite an open flower. Mm. Um, And they have relatively simple flowers, they haven't been modified by people too much. Um, So you do find that herbs are very good for pollinating insects as well mm. because the sage there's a whole big family of garden plants i mean this is a this is a sort of culinary yes. sage isn't it yeah it is yeah but you get loads of different sages normally blues and red flowers
2: okay
0: as, as garden plants for the flowers mm-hmm. but they're all pretty equally good
2: yeah, I've got some pineapple sage and some blackcurrant sage at home actually, which smell absolutely delicious, but I'm waiting for them to really um, get going and really start flowering.
0: And mints are very good as well.
2: Yes. Yeah, because
0: you can yeah. use them as cooking and stuff like that, and there's a yep. whole variety of those, but the mint flowers are great for yeah. pollinating the insects as well.
2: And you've got the mint moth as well, haven't you?
0: Yeah, and that's the thing, you've got a huge amount of, particularly moths, um, we talked last time about butth- butterflies and moths and essentially butterflies are posh moths. You know. <laughs> yeah. There's far more, there's thousands <laughs> of moths in the country. But you just don't yeah. see them because they're mostly out at night. There's a few yeah. day flying ones. Yeah. And they'll each have their own. Some lay their eggs on a wide variety of plants um, and some lay their eggs on just one plant. Yeah, because
2: uh, it doesn't, the, um, is it the elephant hawk moth that lays the egg on um, the eggs on the fuchsia plant? I believe. Yes, I yeah. Think, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, and because you've got a range of trees here as well. Mm-hmm. What have we got? got? We're outside the garden a little bit, but these actually, because the thing here is it used to be uh, not quite a stately home. <laughs> <It was laughs> nearly, <there. laughs> nearly because It was a Solon Court Cottage, but it was a, an aristocratic cottage, yes. which was much bigger than most of our houses. Yes, yeah. Um, so that, uh, you know, when it came derelict, um, Hampshire County Council bought the site. The house isn't here anymore, but the garden no. is, isn't it?
2: Yes, yeah. So the garden um, is very much where the garden is now, but then also they did have a bog garden, which we think went down further on just about where the classroom is. So yeah. um, their garden definitely uh, was, was very very much bigger, and, and they also had a gardener on site that lived in little kind of um, what I'd describe as probably a tin hut, but it looked very cosy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: And you've actually got, still got traces of it here, haven't you? There's a yeah. little brick stepway. That, it's yeah. quite romantic, isn't it? Yeah, it's you lovely. You go down to where your boardwalk goes through the wet woodland down the bottom. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of plants here. That I've seen laburnum, um, mm-hmm. and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of bud here, which is always a good plant. There for, is a lot, Yeah. For um, butterflies in particular. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, yesterday, I saw a painted lady on one of my garden. So, yeah. We've got a bumblebee on the sturgeon there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a white-tailed bumblebee. There's a lot of white-tailed bumblebees. There's still some discussion about how many different species there are. But these ones, they nest in the ground.
2: Oh, right, OK. So
0: they'll, they'll quite often take over a mouse burrow. <laughs> um, and they're attracted, sometimes they think they're attracted to the smell of mouse pee. Oh, <laughs> really? So they know where the hole is. <laughs> but they're some of the biggest. Um, so your your common carder bee, mm-hmm. the full nest would maybe have 30 to 50 workers in. Ooh. Um These... You know at a big nest could have 400 workers in. It oh really? Bumblebees.
2: And that would be underneath underground? Yeah that's oh, right.
0: Wow. Okay. Actually that one was cheating a little bit because this one's going in the front of the flower.
2: Yeah.
0: I think the other one it was going between the leaves around the back of the flower ah. and sometimes you get them that bite little holes because they think they'll have tongue, tongue to go in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They bite a little hole at the end.
2: Yeah and I've by- had that recently. Yeah they the bypass the pollen yeah.
0: Which isn't the game we should be playing.
2: <laughs> so it's just taking the nectar rather than taking the pollen with it, is that right? Or
0: this I mean this will be trying to take the pollen as well. Okay. Um but it's the nectar which draws them in. Yeah, yeah. So although they use the pollen, you can see it's got little pollen baskets on its back legs. You can see a little splodgy orange there? Yep. Oh
2: yes. So that's yep. where
0: they collect their pollen. Yeah. Um but basically the the plants are using the nectar to draw them in because they want them to transport the pollen around. Yeah. Um, so it's like they're, they're, they're working together, basically, but nectar's the pay for them. But they will use the pollen as well, um, because particularly solitary bees, what they do is they make what they call a pollen loaf, so they'll make the cell, mm-hmm. where they burrow down to the ground or in the wood or whatever, mm-hmm. they'll make the cell. And they'll make a pollen loaf out of nectar and pollen together like a lump uh-huh. and lay that egg on it and then yep. seal it off. Uh, that's so it's so that's, food. that's that one yep. cell for that one larvae to eat. And they do like the beans as well don't they?
2: Yeah they do, they n- nice red, um, bright red flowers on there.
0: But also I like the fact you've laid what we've, you know some people call weeds in here, you know, you've got them.
2: Yes, we've left them.
0: Uh, it's forget-me-nots with a bit of ground soil and there's um spurge there somewhere i saw
2: is that dock over there
0: yeah it's a little bit of dock some type can take over a bit but it doesn't matter with a plant like this you're not competing with no your pumpkins in this case yeah and courgettes yeah so it can be good to weed is just what they call a plant in the wrong place so it's good you know because they're good next sources and good for a lot of insects
2: yeah no definitely
0: so we talked about mint there's some lovely mint here i don't know which one this is Tail, isn't it? It could be spearmint. Yeah, I think um,
2: I think spearmint. I think, but we have got lemon balm in between there as well. Yeah. And I think this is—is um, is it feverfew? Feverfew. Feverfew. Yes. Yes. Um, we had—I um, was amazed actually the other day. We had a, a rose chafer beetle on it, which I hadn't seen.
0: They're um, a big green thing. Yeah, aren't they? they're
2: yeah. absolutely glorious to look at, and they was just crawling on the top.
0: And some of these names—I mean, clearly we've got. Feverfew, and mm-hmm. um, we talked about lung wort and um, I think that big yellow plant may be leopard's bane. Okay. We talked right. about earlier. Yeah. Um, and quite often, anything that's got wort in it mm-hmm. tends to be a medicinal plant.
2: Ah, like St. John's. St. John's wort, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that's still used medicinally, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was thought at one point that um, there was a thing called the doctrine of signatures where they thought if it looks like something it looks like an ear
2: yeah
0: or looks like a because that that patchy leaves something on the lung work for yeah. looks like a lung apparently yeah i've not I got a lung that. out to have a look <laughs> um, but um yeah if it looked like the thing mm. you could treat it
2: <laughs> oh my! With that,
0: and that you know, <laughs>
2: That's a dangerous, <laughs> well, It's dangerous way to, to do yeah.
0: <laughs> But I mean, clearly, I mean, through medieval times, you didn't have much in the way of chemical yeah. treatments, and um, some things. I mean, it's like because um, there were some foxglove over there. They still mm-hmm. use that. That's digitalis. They still, I think oh, they still really? use it for the treatment of um, heart disease. Really? You get salicylic acid, which mm-hmm. is aspirin, mm-hmm. and that's willow bark
1: oh wow yeah so i, I mean that. they
0: probably chemically synthesize it now rather than get it from the bark mm. but people used to a bit of willow bark oh. um and feverfew yeah i'd imagine oh. basically reduces fevers
2: because mm. it looks a little bit like um chamomile in a way doesn't it it's, it's that, that same family anywhere. yeah it's yeah. a big
0: it's like a slightly bigger daisy flower isn't it yeah and again what you've got a composite flower They're, actually that one flower is a mass of flowers packed together
2: Oh, really? So
0: you've got all the pollen bearing bits in the middle. yeah, And then you've got these long petals around the edge. they a typical daisy flower like you see with the sunflower or a daisy. <laughs> <There's> some really <laughs> nice ones there. Oh yeah, they're new ones. Um, and again, there's a fly on that one down there because they can get, a, a, you can see it's a little short tongue coming out. Yep, yep. They get easy access to the uh, to the pollen. Hmm. What's this? Is it a junk pile here you've got it here? <laughs> it's
2: not <laughs> quite a junk pile. It's um, almost like a log pile you call it or um, Bark, it's basically dead trees. <laughs> yeah, that's the
0: thing, I mean, the Victorians used to have stumperies, yeah, where you'd have these uh, with ferns in amongst them. Mm-hmm. And it's typically the way they, I mean, probably a bit more picturesque. And I'm not saying your part isn't <laughs> lovely and picturesque, but it's really good because you can see there's masses of holes in it, isn't there? Yeah, um,
2: I have actually once seen a woodpecker come down and, um, yeah, peck around on her and getting all the bugs and the beetles out,
0: yeah, because that looks like a worms. woodpecker hole there, yeah. Um, but mainly there be beetles burrowing into this. Yeah. Um, and some beetles like dry deadwood to burrow into, some just go under the bark. And sometimes you, can, I won't take all the, <laughs> it off, but sometimes you can peel the the um, bark back and you'll find like a gallery of tunnels where oh. there's smaller beetles going underneath the bark. Oh, okay. Um, so the beetles will be in here, and it's the larvae the beetles are after. You get the white grubs. Yeah. Um, and uh, they'll be burrowing through and eating all the the wood. And they might be in there for a couple of years before they come out as an adult beetle.
2: Because how long do stag beetles um, stay in wood for? That's a long time, isn't it? It
0: can be a couple of years. I mean, they like big, rotting tree stumps. We also got this thing like a little house over here. What's this thing? Yeah,
2: so we have a bug hotel. Um, We do have residents currently here. So um, I think I've seen the leafcutter bee, I think I've seen two burrows um, with the green sort of like mush inside and then also um, a type of masonry bee as well because it's also almost a bit like cement if you will. Yeah. Um, In in these little holes and the the little tubes. Um, I've also seen um, some type of parasitic wasp. Yeah. They're like um, blue and red colour, they're stunning to look at. Um, but the fact that they're called wasps puts me off a little bit.
0: <laughs> I know, I mean, I say wasps get a bad press, I think, but um, that's probably one of the reby tail wasps. There's oh, a little okay. group of those in Britain oh. and there'll be parasites on the bees. Mm. Parasites isn't quite right because, you know, a parasite doesn't really, it shouldn't affect what it's sitting on too much. You know, it should be pretty minimal. So if I think of a tapeworm. I'm not yep. suggesting you've got a tapeworm. Yep. <laughs> but it should be sitting in there and not actually damaging the host very much but uh. they just sit alongside them. Oh, okay. And eat a bit of their food. Okay. But basically the, the paras- these um, they're sometimes called kleptoparasites because mm-hmm. they steal, like a kleptomaniac. Okay. So they'll lay their egg inside the nest of the bee mm-hmm. and then that will hatch out. It'll either destroy the egg of the bee or eat the mm-hmm. larvae mm-hmm. and then eat the contents of the nest.
2: Right. Right.
0: Um, but they're beautiful, they're stunning yeah. rainbow colours.
2: Yeah, they are. They're yeah. really, really beautiful. I was hoping it was going to be a, a, a nice beetle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, but I shouldn't think badly of wasps. <laughs> People should be nicer to wasps, yeah, <laughs> they're lovely they should. things. And
0: they do a lot of good in the garden. But yeah. You've got quite a big set up here. It's, it's about yes. well, it's a meter and a half square, like a big cube with a roof and, it, and bug hotel on the front. Yeah,
2: it's got um, bricks in there. It's got bamboo, it's got drilled bits of wood. Um, other tiles, things like that, but you can easily make one of these actually out with something that you can recycle yeah so you can you, you can use a an old plastic bottle yeah cut both sides off and then just stuff that with um bamboo with sticks with anything that's maybe decaying so it can attract the beetles yeah um and just stuff it and maybe just um, place it in the garden or hang it on the bush make sure it's not kind of hanging so the wind will take it so it's quite stationary and i think you'd actually see quite a bit
0: yeah and there's a little tiny wasp actually. Oh, down in the far bottom corner on the left down there. I think it's just disappeared.
2: It's going to say you've got good eyes. <laughs> it's, it's
0: gone in amongst the cracks and crevices. And that's what they love doing. And I think the way it was fidgeting, it's <laughs> probably one of a group called spider hunting wasps. Oh, wow. Because they will catch mm-hmm. and stop their nests with spiders. Oh, wow. Which is quite amazing. Because it was, I mean, it's only about half a centimetre long, that particular one. <laughs> but it's equivalent, I think, of some, you know, having predator that eats tigers yeah because <laughs> a spider a major yep. predator you've got to subdue it and you've got to take it back to your nest yeah. and lay an egg on it <laughs> it's um, quite risky business it's yeah, quite risky yeah <laughs> and the sting doesn't kill the prey it's oh, the same okay. with the solitary wasps as well mm. if they eat caterpillars and all the rest uh, it sounds a bit gruesome
2: do, do they sort of stun it in they a way they stun it oh, okay
0: um and that keeps the meat fresh shall we say? Uh-oh. <laughs> so it's part eaten, of course. Oh. And there's actually one of these spider hunting wasps that lives in sand dunes. Mm-hmm. Clearly the um, sand isn't a particularly stable place to put a nest. I mean, you're not burrowing into clay or soil. Yeah. You can imagine that tunnel sounds quite good. But, yeah. um, but what it does is it stuns the spider, puts it at the cell it's mm. made, lays the egg on it, and then seals it over. Mm-hmm. And quite often the spider will wake up and crawl round and round inside the cell, laying down silk, and basically improving its own dungeon. Wow. And stabilizes it. That's
2: both gruesome and very clever. It is very clever, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah. Um, And what's really quite funny from around the corner here, so um, as you can see, all the um, bamboo has um, seemingly fallen out, or maybe been picked out. We thought it might've been um, people taking the bamboo out and just dropping it, but actually it was birds. Yeah. So it's sort of created its own um, ecosystem in a way because the birds are actually using the bug hotel to obviously find their lunch. Well absolutely yeah because <laughs> what
0: things are doing they're going in is to nest some of them like the bees and wasps and the, some of the some of the um, beetles. But other things will be going in there. There's a little black wasp yeah, going in I there. Yeah I just saw that. Yeah they're, sometimes they're using it to hibernate in there. Oh okay. So if you've got a lot of insects and that could include moths and butterflies mm-hmm. That's a tasty treat for a big wintering Uh, bird isn't it? Yep, yep, yep. yep. So I mean you've got a mass of different bamboos here, all different sizes, different sizes is the key isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, different sizes, different lengths even as well, Um, yeah, and different widths.
0: Yep, because you've got different species in different ones. Yeah. Some of the really tiny bits of cane, Mm -hmm. um, because some of these little solitary black wasps, they nest in woodworm burrows, you small oh, they
2: wow they're small yeah
0: and they say they they stock their nest with green flies and things like that which mm-hmm. are you know ladybirds and lace wings get all the good press <laughs> yes you know i think there's a, something to be said for wasps yeah so you've got this this one yeah with a bit of sun on it which the bees mm. and wasps like but you know if you put it in a bit more shade you might get more beetles in
2: there ah right okay that's good to know
0: but it's in partial shade which is probably yeah, about right yeah yeah Oh, we've got a pond. Yes.
2: So we've got two ponds actually in this, uh, in the sensory garden. This, um, I don't actually know what this plant is, but we have seen ram's horn snails on top of the leaves, especially when it's been quite sunny. Uh, And there's also, uh, every now and again, we find some snail shells that have been discarded on here. So birds are definitely using to, um, to find their food.
0: Yeah, it's one of the best things you can do in a garden. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. you get birds and things drinking from it. There's pond skaters there. There's one here, look.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: It looks like, I mean, you know insects have got six legs. Yeah. But the two front legs are quite small. Oh, yeah, look. So you've got got these cross-shaped of two long legs. And you can see they're sitting on the surface of the water. It's quite amazing. There's a snail there, look.
2: Oh, yeah, there it is.
0: The range of different wildlife you get in here is fantastic, you know. Mm. Because clearly, if you didn't have ponds, you wouldn't have pond snails and you wouldn't have pond skaters? No. Or water boatmen. Um, You get dragonflies around here? Yep,
2: yep, we've got dragonflies, especially in the other pond. Um, We've even seen the dragonfly um, nymph cases as well that you see in, was it, um, June time when they come up um, and they use the bulrushes or any type of long grass um, to kind of emerge from the water and then they kind of break away from the shell, but the shell remains and it's a a perfect... um, resemblance of the actual ninth but it used to be. It's, it's yeah. amazing. It looks yeah. incredible.
0: So we oh, mean well, this is a lovely stump. Yes. <laughs> I,
2: I love this actually, just to um especially in uh, autumn time, it's absolutely full of fungi. Yeah. It's yeah, it's great.
0: And it's a whole mass of moss as well as bits of lichen. Yeah. Um and this is the sort of thing Victorians loved in there, you know, as a oh, stumpery. Really? I mean, this is uh, this is an entire tree, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is the root. pretty thing. much. <laughs> um, but you can see it's still got loads of beetle burrows in it.
2: Yeah, yeah, you can see the little holes.
0: And this is pretty much just down to the heartwood, just this, you know, all the bark's gone off the outside, yeah. but it's still a lovely garden feature, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. With plants on it.
2: It's all the moss and it's, you know, it's green as well as being the um, tree trunk.
0: Yeah. And this is a bit more, a bit less wildlife garden this bit, a bit more formal this bit. Yeah, a bit it?
2: more of a cottage garden,
0: Yeah, we call it. And cottage garden plants, again, can be very good. hmm yeah. You know, they're good pollinator plants. Yeah. Um So this is, what's this one?
2: I'm not sure what this one is.
0: I think, is it penstemon?
2: Oh, okay. It's a lovely um, pink, reddy colour. Yeah. You can see a bee in there already. Oh, two.
0: Yeah, there's the two of the gingery ones again, those common carder bees. Yeah, it's two hoverflies here.
2: Oh yeah, I can see them there.
0: And again, we all probably know that uh, hoverflies they mimic wasps, so yeah. quite often stripe, but they can't sting. They're yeah. totally harmless. Yeah, there's a whole range of these things, which um, there's some of. It's not all hoverfly larvae. No, but quite a few of them eat aphids. Again, okay. Um,
2: that's good to know. I've so got quite a few different ones at home. We've had um, the bee mimic hoverfly. Yeah, um, which has been absolutely. It's amazing to watch because it looks just like a bee, but you just know that there's something about it that isn't quite bee. Exactly. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So it's quite funny, really.
0: Yeah.
2: And the other day, I did see the. Um, I don't know if um, the sunflies are related to the hoverflies. I think.
0: Yeah, um, they've got sort of family group. I mean, you've yeah. got soldier flies, which are disrelated, oh, okay. but they do look quite the same. Okay. They're colourful and um, greens and blues and things like that. Yeah. Because I
2: saw the, um, the hairy sunfly the other week, which yeah. I've never seen before, but it was like bright yellow with a little like hair at the side. And yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was really cool to look.
0: And there's some really quite exotic things in here, isn't there? We've got the Ganneras, some of the things, giant rhubarb. Yeah. Um, not much use for pollinators, I don't think. I'm not sure it does much, but. Uh,
2: I suppose it's good um, shelter or shade, maybe? I'm not yeah. sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it can get away. I mean, you wouldn't want to put it in a wildlife garden. Yeah. Because it can totally take over and yeah. it can actually yeah. escape into the wild. Okay. I mean, it's, when I say escape, it's not going to run off, Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the seeds get out. And so, there is a bit of a problem sometimes with some plants. I mean, the classics are things like um, Himalayan balsam and Japanese oh, yeah. knotweed, which you've got out into the wild and yeah. there's nothing native that eats it. Yeah. Um, then, um, you know, they, they, they go rampant and you've yeah. got to control them. Mm-hmm. But this is quite, this is a relative, at least of a native one. This is a mullein. Okay. And there's again, lovely spikes of yellow flowers.
2: Yeah, and I love their furry leaves as well.
0: Yeah, and I mean that sensory thing as well is quite Mm. important, but there is also um, a type of bee, because we talked about the mason wasps Mm -hmm. using mud to make their nests, and the leaf cutters using sections of the leaf, quite a rose leaf. There's a solitary bee which uses the fibres scraped off this type of leaf to make their nest, and then they almost make it like felt.
2: Oh wow, Um, a bit cosy then
0: yeah, yeah um, it's called Anthidium manicartum oh, that's a fancy it. name yeah, I don't know, a walled <laughs> bee I think is uh. one name for it um, and it's quite a it's quite a big bee mm-hmm. and actually, um, particularly I don't think you've got any lambs here there's a plant no. called lambs here, Stachys which has got very, very fluffy leaves mm-hmm. and the males of the bee will stand guard over one plant because they know mm-hmm. the females have got to come there uh, okay. So they, if they can make their exclusive rights to this plant, yeah. they can make the females that come there. <laughs> and they've got um, they're quite a robust bee. They look like a little smallish bumblebee size. Oh, okay. But they've got spikes underneath their abdomen, <laughs> and they've known to fight to the death. Wow. The males. Wow. To take control of this plant, um, and they crush them with these spikes. Um, but it's you know it's fascinating, isn't mm, it? Very. Now, do you have any hedgehogs here?
2: We don't unfortunately, Um, not that we've seen any anyway, Um, but a garden is a really, really good place uh, for a hedgehog to even, maybe not even just live in, but can visit each night.
0: You know, I think because I live in quite a rural place, I'm I'm surrounded by fields. I've never seen a hedgehog in my garden, but I think it's because I don't do quite so well in farmland. Yeah,
2: I think they've definitely moved um, a bit like your foxes almost. They've moved kind of a bit more in urban areas.
0: Yeah, it's where they can still survive is the thing, really. Yeah. They haven't chosen to move there, but it's one of the few places they can still thrive. Because, yeah. yeah. you know, you've got little wild bits, you've got people don't tend to use much of our chemicals here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's hmm problem problems some because clearly they eat um, slugs and snails. Mm-hmm. And if you've used slug pellets, you know, there's the chance that, that poison will sit in the slug and get eaten by the, yeah. the hedgehog. that does happen. Um, but gardens can be very good and probably better than most other habitats. Yeah,
2: yeah definitely and that's why it's really important that we open the gardens up so even just creating a, a little hole can create a hedgehog highway and if you do that with a few neighbors you're, um, you're, you're enabling uh, the space that the hedgehog will go into that you're almost doubling it Yeah. because they travel quite far each night they travel about two miles.
0: And they just need, let me start, the size of your fist if you can put a hole at the base of your, your fence yep. the size of your fist yeah. Hedgehog gets through. Yeah, absolutely. So it doesn't absolutely. need you know it doesn't necessarily let dogs get through and all no, the rest of it. So. No. And clearly you can go as far as putting hedgehog homes and stuff like that. Yeah. It might well be they're in the bottom of your stumpery over there.
2: Yeah, that's true. So it has brightened up
0: a little bit, hasn't it? I mm, think we've got a few has. more butterflies around. I just saw a small skipper.
2: Oh. I think I just saw it. Is, is that a cabbage white?
0: Yeah, large white. Large they all lay their eggs on. They're probably looking for your cabbages they're probably gonna lay <laughs> yeah, yeah. on your nasturtiums there i think again mm-hmm. yeah but cabbage white is a good you know a general name for about three species okay um but you got the little it's down on that chamomile down is that chamomile?
2: i think it's dog fennel i think
0: dog fennel yeah
2: Never heard that one. really no. yeah because i thought that was fennel and then um I did a bit of research and something called dog fennel. It's called something else as well. It might just be like a kind of You get a lot of local names for things. Yeah. And I
0: love the local names. We've got a really amazing looking caterpillar on this hydrangea here. Can you see it there, look?
2: Oh yeah, that looks cool. And what's that? That doesn't look like a caterpillar in a way, does it?
0: No, it's a mass of long hairs. It's got these, it's got an orange tuft at the back, look. Oh yeah. And then these, it looks like little yellow shaving brushes
2: on the front. (laughs)
0: I often wonder, do people still know what shaving brushes are? Who uses shaving brush these days? But you know what I mean. Um, And I think it's a pale tussock moth. Okay. Um, It does look like a pale tussock. It's a very small one. Hmm. Um, But sometimes you find the moths, we talked about moths before, that um, we've got some lovely names, but sometimes the name's more related to what the caterpillar looks like.
2: Ah, right, yeah, I got you.
0: So the elephant hawk moth is pinks and greys, but doesn't really look much like an elephant. But the caterpillar looks like an elephant's trunk. There's a moth called the lobster moth.
2: Oh, right, and I take it that looks like a lobster.
0: The moth doesn't. It doesn't actually look much like a lobster, Mm -hmm. but the caterpillar's got these weird, most caterpillars got little short legs, haven't they? Yeah. This has got really weird long front legs. Oh, wow. And it curls its body up into funny shapes. And
2: And where would you find them?
0: I think they're on oak trees. So probably you know Have they'll look. be up there so you yep. wouldn't necessarily see them too uh, often okay um but it's just disappearing into the hydrangea oh, yeah. i don't think it eats hydrangea
2: and what would this look like as a moth moth
0: it's quite it's a grayish moth okay um quite a nice patterned but again you wouldn't necessarily think pale tussock from the from the moth yeah clearly that's got pale tussocks on its back
2: car. right okay well, that's interesting
0: so clearly i mean you've got i mean it's a. It's not massive, but it's quite a size here and you've got quite a lot of things going on here. Can most people do reproduce this in their own gardens, do you think?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of the pollinator patch, I was just buying plugs and they are actually quite cheap. Um, An even cheaper way you could do it is by buying the seeds and growing from seed and starting it off in your house. Or if you've got um, a greenhouse somewhere warm, uh, that's a really, really good way. Or you could even start off with someone else and you could plant swap, which is a really good way.
0: Yeah, and actually if you go to the garden centres, at the time when the plant, the flowers gone over.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, it's a really cheap way, because they'll pop off and discount those. Yeah, I but love
2: going around to the reduced section of a garden centre. <laughs> yeah,
0: as long as you're willing to wait until next year that the flowers come. Yeah, yeah. But also, you might, you know, you can find those pots you can split up, so you can get more than uh-huh. one plant out of each pot.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so that's another cheap way of doing it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what about the bug hotels?
2: So book hotels are really easy, Um, they're basically things you can find off the ground and if you kind of cobble them together, put them together in, maybe if you've got some twine or as we talked about before, the plastic bottle, if you don't want to use plastic, maybe you can, um, maybe if you've even got any little bits of old furniture that you could put together, um, you could easily make a book hotel with that.
0: Yeah, I've even just taken. I mean, some of your rose cuttings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This thing will burrow in the pith in the middle of the stems. Ah, right. So if you use old rose cuttings or even, you know, your bits of bamboo cane cut up into lengths yeah. and just tied together and thumb yeah. on a wall. Yeah, they can work like that. Yeah. And I think our YouTube channel, will be you know, there's it, there's tutorials on there. Oh right, okay. And um, we'll also have information about the different plants which are good for different bees and wasps and yeah. pollinators. Yeah, it's really um, good to know. And water. I mean, you might not have enough room for a pond. That's quite a big pond you've got there, isn't it?
2: Yes, it, it is. Um, but if you don't have enough room, what I'm going to do at home is just kind of buy one of those, um, sort of like a metal bath type um, container and then fill that with water and just see what happens. Get a few um, pond plants and then just, yeah, hopefully let nature come.
0: Absolutely. You can just have a saucer. I mean, it'll dry out mm. quite quickly. But oh, yeah. Birds and, I mean, even bees, when it's a really hot, dry summer, Mm-hmm. Bees in particular drink a lot. Yeah. So even that can bring them in. But you need somewhere shallow so they can get into the edge and they don't fall into the deep water and drown. Uh, okay. Otherwise, it's just a big trap.
2: Yeah, I've started to put, um, you know, like one of those, the water collectors when you get at the bottom of a plant pot, and then put pebbles in it and then let the rain collect in that, and then that acts as a sort of shallow um, water like drinking station for bugs. And yeah, bees. it's all,
0: everything you can do can be useful to one. Yeah. Well thanks Jane. it's been really great looking, you've got a lovely resource here and it's good to know what other people can do in their own gardens so it's really been nice to come and look at your garden.
2: Yeah, no it's been great
1: to show you around.
0: So what about your garden Carly?
1: So my garden is very wild, I do live in the middle of Southampton but I've let all the bushes grow, I let the grass grow, I tend to go home and empty out my socks from when I've been out walking (laughs) and I get all sorts of plants growing in my garden but I've also got hedgehogs and I've got loads and loads of stag beetles.
0: Yeah, and we were saying earlier that, you know, my garden, I've never seen a hedgehog in my garden, I've never seen a stag beetle, so sometimes these urban gardens have some species that more rural ones don't.
1: So one of the things I'm aiming to do this year is to identify all the bees that visit my garden. Because now I've been working at home, I drink my coffee, sat out in the garden in the morning, and I get to see all the wonderful bees that visit the flowers. And I never realised how many different types of bee I get in my garden.
0: Yeah, I'm forever getting sent by you, you know, strange little pictures that are pretty undeaded. What's this, Andy? What's that, Andy?
1: Well, I've got to ask someone, Andy, and you are the expert, (laughs) as you say. So we're standing right next to a really good
0: plant for gardens, for butterflies, and it's a buddleia. Some, some people know it's butterfly bush, but it's got these lovely long pink flowers on it at the moment, isn't it?
1: They're purple, Andy.
0: Well, purple, yeah, okay. You can get
1: all different colors, can't you? You can get pink ones, purple ones, you can get really, really dark ones, and you can even get white buddleias as well.
0: Yeah, but I think the bog standard common, this sort of light purple, I'll call yep. it. It's probably the best one. I think some of the other darker flowers and the white ones don't get the same numbers of butterflies on. No. We can see a few here, can't we?
1: We can see lots here, so I've been sat here for a little while and I've seen lots of red admirals. Yeah. Commas. Yeah. There's a few whites. There's not been many whites around today.
0: And I had a painted lady butterfly, my well, my neighbour's buddy yesterday.
1: And I love painted ladies because they are really cool.
0: Yeah, they're migrants, they fly across, they come up from North Africa, mm-hmm. and they lay eggs and produce new broods, then move further north, all through the spring and into the summer. Um, and sometimes in huge numbers, I remember driving along between Winchester and where I live, 272, which is a sort of east-west road. And there was just streams of butterflies going mm-hmm. across the top, and kind of 30 or 40.
1: I do like, red admirals are my favorite butterfly. It's the first butterfly I ever learned to identify.
0: And they're another one of the ones that really like nettles because they lay their eggs on nettles.
1: Yeah and this year in my garden I've left a patch of nettles. I leave a patch of nettles every year but this is the first year I've ever had red admirals lay eggs on them so I'm really excited and I'm not letting my husband chop them down.
0: <laughs> so a little bit of creative untidiness is fantastic isn't it?
1: Yeah untidy gardens are the best. Yeah. So are you ready for another of Carly's fun facts Sandy?
0: I'm always ready for your fun facts, Carly.
1: Okay, so we love our gardens, but did you know the estimated total area of gardens in the UK is about 433,000 hectares? And that's four and a half times larger than all of our national nature reserves put together.
0: Well, you think that's a huge resource for nature, isn't it? So if you, can, if you manage it for nature, it's, you know, it's really significant nationally.
1: So much of our gardens are being lost although many people now are into wildlife gardening and leaving their gardens a little bit more messy. There's a lot of lawns being turned into astroturf, trees and shrubs being cut back and lots of nice lawns being being replaced by patios and decking. And
0: I can understand that you want a nice place to be but if you can leave a little the part of your garden at least to nature. Um, I think Bug Life had this thing of uh, Having a metre square, you know, if you times that by a number of gardens in, the, on, in Britain, if you've got a, that many metres squared, at least let it go wild or maybe have your patch of nettles or your bit of water or your pond. I mean, I'm probably extreme in terms of how much I leave it go wild. <laughs> and it's not laziness, clearly.
1: <laughs> i hope you've all enjoyed this episode of looking after nature we'd love to hear from you with any comments or thoughts or if there's anything you'd like us dis- to discuss in a future episode please let us know by checking out our social media pages
0: and we'd really appreciate if you rate and review our podcast on itunes as this helps other people find us for now thanks again for listening i'm andy davidson
1: and i'm carly harrod see you next time